you know, if you look at statistics, there, uh, there's a definite period in most marriages where happiness tends to drop. I personally think that there is a breakdown in the ability to have feedback. The most important skill in a relationship is the ability to repair. To prevent problems, it's the ability to give and receive feedback. Welcome to the Unlocking Happiness Podcast. I'm Amy Dix, international best-selling author, speaker, and founder of Choose Happy. Collectively, our community builds a better world. I believe life is made up of moments. We have short moments, long moments, good moments and bad moments. We make sure that all of your life moments are filled with meaning and joy. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest on the internet's happiest podcast. Now let's unlock happiness. Welcome to the show, Mark Johnston. Oh, this is such a fun topic to talk about, depending, of course, maybe where you are personally uh, in your own journey of relationships and marriage. But so happy to unlock happiness with you today as we talk about just that. How can we live a happy life with a happy marriage and through happy relationships? So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Amy. It's good to be here. Yeah, so you are with High Thrive Coaching, yes. and you founded this company with another lady, uh, Heather, how do you pronounce her last name? Choate. With Heather Choate. You guys are not married. No, we get that mixed up quite often. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you and I were just talking about this before the show started, but yeah, we're a man and a woman, and we're talking about marriage. We're not married, but we are happily married to our own respective spouses. <laughs> I love it. And so when did you meet Heather? So Heather and her husband, Ben, and then me and my wife, Jennifer, we met while going to school. We had kids at roughly the same age and we we attended the same church. And honestly, I had no really, you know, we weren't even that good of friends, <laughs> You know, so we we parted ways uh, after we all graduated. And, you know, many years later, my wife and I, we were kind of in a rut and we needed to do something different in, in our life. And my wife is the very, she's a very proactive person. She said, you know what? I'm seeing that Heather is really trying to do some big things. I want to start a business with her. And it just popped into her head. And here we are, you know, <laughs> we, we have a business. So the wives got together essentially yes. here and uh, then you guys started the business and you have a background in psychology, correct? I do. Yes. Okay. So this kind of led you then to all of this. And then at what point were you like, let's do this let's, as two individuals, let's start a company about marriage. We started off and you know what? I think we were really unsure of what we were going to do at first. So we thought, okay, Heather is doing this uh, super like being empowered sort of movement. We're going to be life coaches and we're going to try doing it in that that direction. And we really weren't getting much traction. Uh, we got some really good advice to uh, start focusing a little bit more on things that we are passionate about. And I, I had always really been very interested in relationships. I got into psychology because I wanted a field of study that would help me in my life personally. 
Uh, and so a lot of my, you know, when I would have to do research projects or attend extracurricular classes or specialize a little bit, it was always in this kind of field, the relationships and marriage type field. And Heather and I both really value that kind of family life and really valued our marriages. And so it seemed like a perfect fit in terms of something that we could be passionate about, that we knew how to do well. We were both in really good relationships respectively, and we thought we had something to share. Awesome. And you say create a marriage and a life that you can be proud of. Do yes. you feel like people are in marriages that they are not proud of? I think a lot of people get by. I'm not saying that all, all people do, but you know, if you look at statistics, there, uh, there's a definite period in most marriages where happiness tends to drop. So the very common period is like the first several years, there's a very high spike in satisfaction, connection. People are very happy with their relationship. And then, you know, we love our children, <laughs> you know, years somewhere around five to like 10 are tend to be the, the rocky, this rocky period. Mm -hmm. uh, children come and especially if you get married a little bit younger, uh, more responsibilities come and just there's more stress and you have to kind of manage that a little bit better. And even beyond that. So this is like the one period where we see more divorces. The other period tends to be when children are leaving the house and mm -hmm the couple, they kind of recognize, hey, they haven't really spent much time together and they don't have a relationship anymore and they're just left with each other. So while I'm not saying everyone is, is struggling, I do think that there's a fair amount of the population that is getting by with their relationship. And, mm -hmm. you know, I absolutely love being around my wife. I can't wait to be around her uh, in the evening or during the day if I have time. And I, I'm very proud of that that relationship. And I'd like other people to kind of have a, a glimpse of what that is like. Right. So when people come to you, are they like looking to up level their marriage? Like it's it's in an okay spot. They just want to up level it. Or when they come to you, are they at a point where things are starting to fail? Uh, well, I would certainly love to have more clients in that that sort of situation where they would like to up level their their relationship. I do have clients on there, but uh, the bulk of our clients tend to be in crisis situations where someone is considering divorce. They might be separated. There might be an affair going on. And we have one partner who's trying to piece things back to stabilize things to the point where they could maybe up level their relationship. So why, what's the number one reason why marriages fail? Well, I personally think that there is um, a breakdown in the ability to have feedback and have that, that considered in a relationship. If I had to speak in very general terms, I think a lot of couples uh, settle into patterns that kind of work. So they, they get into a pattern perhaps where, you know, rather than fighting, they shut down and then they kind of sweep all the problems under the rug. And th th those kind of patterns tend to work short term and then they'll work a little bit short term, work a little bit less. And then eventually things start to pile up until it all spills out. It's almost always like a, 
the, one of the big names in terms of marriage research and is Gottman, John Gottman. Okay. He talks about the most important skill in a relationship is the ability to repair. And I like to adjust that a little bit and say, hey, you know, that's that's great for after problems. I'm saying to prevent problems, it's the ability to give and receive feedback. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if we're much more proactive on the front end, mm-hmm. right? Not that uh, we don't want your business to succeed, but then there would be less people that maybe need to come to you in crisis mode. And yeah. Uh, not even that, like it goes back to what I was saying earlier, maybe then we can focus on up-leveling our relationships and our marriage mm-hmm. as opposed to letting it get to crisis mode. Um, no, I don't or- want to claim that I'm, you know, no better than Gottman because he has decades worth of <laughs> research with like thousands of couples. And certainly I think I like his idea in that every couple is going to struggle. And, and so you need those repair skills. I do believe that absolutely. So I think great idea on his part, but I I do like what you said in terms of, you know, if we can try to prevent that need to repair, well, I think all the better. Yeah. What is your familiarity with the love languages by Gary Chapman? Oh no. Yeah. That's, that's kind of like, (laughs) I I think a lot of people are very familiar with that. Um, I myself am very familiar. I like using that within my own work as a way to, better describe how people connect. But this is just like one need within a relationship. So it's really good for describing this one need, the how we connect and how we belong within a relationship and how we express this. But, you know, there's a lot of other things that are going to fall outside of that. That's yeah, theory. of course. And for our listeners who may not be familiar with them, uh, you, just a quick Google search and it'll pull right up. Uh, oh yeah, I, you type in love language. It's yeah, that it's going to be all over the place. A lot of yeah. people, lots and lots of people, talk about that. So the needs for do we want to go over it? Yeah, let's uh, do it. This is uh, love language is gift giving, words of affirmation. Uh, it is physical touch. I want to say it's about personal time, but I'm trying to remember. Oh, the, quality time. Yeah, that, that there it is. Acts of service. There it is. And I should know that. That's that's my wife's love language. Her primary uh, love language. And that's, that's like, the one I was blanking on. That's so funny. That's my boyfriend's too. And I was like, you couldn't have had a simpler love language. Like you had to have acts of service. You couldn't just have like words of affirmation where I can just yeah, tell It would be so easy if I could just say, hey, you're great and you're wonderful. Yeah. Check right there. Yeah. Uh, what is your love language? I really like quality time. I think second to that, I like the, you know, I really appreciate physical touch, but you know, if I don't get that one-on-one time with uh, my wife, I tend to get a little bit wilty. Ah, yeah. I think it's so, how do I want to say that? I think it's so important to understand this in a, in a relationship. Mine is physical touch and words of affirmation. So I feel like mine are easy peasy. Like I'm easy to take care of, but he might say otherwise. I don't know. <laughs> so I think things like this are really great for you know, that up level and understanding our relationship a little bit better. My wife and I recently have been really getting into the Enneagram personality mm-hmm. study, which is a, something that I really like for understanding relationships as well, because it describes core fears and core motivations and like how people approach problems a little bit differently. And it's helped my wife and I really understand while we might do things very similarly, the reasons why we're doing it are are very different. Mm. Uh, so that's another relationship understanding theory that I happen to be that's a big interest of mine lately. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I'm not as familiar with that, but uh, I am familiar with it, just Mm -hmm. not uh, as deep as I know the love languages. So you said uh, at the beginning that you and your wife were in a rut. Tell us about that. Yes. So (laughs) this was at a period where I was finishing up graduate school uh, and we had just had our, let's see, I'm trying to remember at the time. Yeah, it was our third child. I'm trying to remember if it's our third or fourth. We have five kids, by the way. And I was working a full-time job and then I had a secondary job. We were very, very busy. And I don't think I handled the, the stress really well. And I made some mistakes. I ended up losing my job. So we were at this point and I just kind of fell into a bit of a de- depression and I didn't really see a whole lot of prospects in front of me. So my wife was really wonderful and supportive and you know she let me do my thing for a bit. But after a while, she's like, okay, what are we going to do with our life? And are we just going to settle into, you know, a, a normal path? And we kind of said, well, no, that's not what we wanted to do. I don't know if you're aware, but uh, going into a mental health career, just a normal path doesn't really pay very well. <laughs> Even with higher education, it just doesn't. And we didn't want to, we, we kind of decided we didn't want to live just a regular life along those lines. So that's where Jen, wonderful as she is, she's like, okay, we're going to start some businesses. At the time she started her own business, um, doing like a Waldorf inspired, like daycare type thing. She had a partner, but we also started this other business as well. And, you know, it's, it's gone really well. We're, we're probably making three times as much as what I would have normally made had I followed my normal path. And so it's, been great to not live <laughs> normally. Okay, so you pulled yourself out of this rut mm-hmm. and you know, now you help others, of course, do that. I think marriage today looks very different than marriage 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 30, 50 years ago. Where do you see like what will marriage look like in another let's say 20 years? How will it be different than it is today? Well, I'm thinking of where it was, say, even 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, you know, there's been a shift. And I think this this shift was more probably when, say, I was a child where women were entering more into the workforce. We had less homemakers in the home. And so there was a shift. And that, this is more like, I would say, the 80s and 90s, more of a shift towards a dual earner household. And some of those more traditional values tended to go away. Now, as we've kind of progressed a little bit further, I feel like the balance of household chores and household responsibilities has started to be examined a little bit more closely. And I do think that we have more men, you know, doing the cooking and cleaning and childcare. Uh, you know, my brother, for instance, is a, you know, the primary caregiver of his children. And that, that wasn't something that you would normally see 20 years ago, uh, 30 years ago. So as we go forward, I expect that the more typical gender roles are going to even out even a little bit more. I mean, even today, we still have women being the primary 
caregivers. So if like the, there's a child that is sick, it tends to be the the mother that stays home from work and cares for those children. I would expect that to, to even out a little bit more and for responsibilities to be a little bit more openly discussed. I hope that with these sort of things, that there is perhaps a greater emphasis on being a little bit more communicative, having a little bit more open dialogue, and you know, you know, like I was saying earlier, the, the really important skill of having feedback because I think when your roles are a little bit more fluid, you need more communication like that to make things work. Now, I mean, this would just be my guess with the the trend that has happened over the last couple decades, two or three decades, but who knows. So do you think marriages, uh, I'm going to use 20 years ago or 20 years again, do you think marriages in 20 years will be stronger or will be less strong than they are right now? No. So th- this is a, an interesting thing in that I do believe that divorce rates have, you know, certainly if we look back at like, say the fifties and sixties, uh, the divorce rate I think was lower back then. I believe I, I'd have to look at the numbers and I think we did have a rise in divorce rates, you know, as we got into the 70s, 80s, 90s. I think this is also, you know, related to having more women in the workforce and having a little bit more independence. I also think that it might have a little bit to do with a, you know, the, the idea of divorce is less stigmatized. I actually see a little bit of a pushback in terms of wanting a little bit more family values. I think that I think especially with you know, the current situation going on with the pandemic, uh, I think that's maybe pushing it a little bit. So I, I'm hoping, you know, I, I'm not saying that I, I'm advocating traditional gender roles, but I, I do like the, the family values sort of aspect of things. And I'm hoping that, you know, kind of this idea catches on because I do see a little bit here uh, in popular culture or on YouTube, this kind of idea of let's take a step back a little bit from technology and let's take a step back from all this busyness and let's slow down and maybe focus a little bit more on wholesomeness. I'm hoping that that's a trend that grows. Uh, so, and if that continues to go in that direction, I would anticipate, you know, families to be stronger, but once again, who knows? <laughs> you don't have the crystal ball is what you're trying to tell me. <laughs> no, no, yeah. unfortunately. One more thought on there. I think on a personal level, you know, I think that's the much more important thing. And if you you yourself want to really value your family, there's certainly a lot of things that you can do. And, you know, me, I, I'm less concerned with what society is going to do at large. If I, you know, if I really value my family, then there's lots that I can do for that. You were telling me you are an international company, or at yes. least you have some folks in, in some other countries. What other countries do you serve? Uh, so we currently have clients in pretty much every English-speaking country. We do have a fair amount in the UK and Australia. I've, we currently have a, at least a handful in New Zealand. Our hope going forward is that we'll, we might start, start having clients in Spanish-speaking markets. We have a fair amount of uh, members on our team that are fluent in Spanish. So, so <laughs> the name of your program is called Path one-to-one. Does PATH stand for something? Well, it, yeah, it's, it's the PATH program or the PATH method. It's uh, it's an acronym. It's standing for um, perspective, action, 
this was an awkward fit here, but telling a new story, it's about trying to shift the narrative and I'm building hope, H for hope. But it's like basic pillars that we are trying to really reinforce in putting a marriage back together. And I, we always, you know, it t- tends to go in that order. So we, we always start off by trying to get better understanding for yourself and for your partner. Yeah. So you mentioned hope. So you start with perspective and you end on hope. And mm-hmm. I feel as I look at your website, I feel like this, this message come through, this whole hope message come through. And so a lot of times it says like, save your marriage, get your spouse back. Do you believe that all marriages are worth saving? (laughs) Certainly there are like those really, really broken relationships, um, you know, in cases of abuse or really intense problems. If there are, you know, if neither partner is really interested anymore or, you know, on top of that, if you have less things that are binding you together, if you don't have children or other things that you really need to fight for, then, you know, I think it's, it may be better or easier to, to move on. Now, with that said, the tendency with, with marriages, you know, you have a failed marriage, subsequent marriages statistically have a higher chance of failure. And so I do think that, and even many of these cases, it's important to meet with a professional and examine what happened in the relationship because almost always there's things that you don't realize that you were bringing to uh, the relationship and often bring this baggage along to subsequent relationships. Yeah, that's so good. I'm going to ask you a question on what I would think would be a little bit of a sensitive topic, but a common topic. And we've had other relationship folks on the show before, and it just seems to always come up, which is, and you mentioned it earlier too, which is affairs. And so why, why do people have affairs? What drives people to have affairs? Where does that come from? So affairs are kind of a, obviously it's, it's a complicated issue. I couldn't point to one thing that causes all affairs. I like to examine where they come from on an individual basis, but things that I check out sometimes as a way of to diagnose problems, sometimes I'll look at, I'm trying to remember her name. It's, her name is Chloe Madonis. Uh, she works with Tony Robbins and she has this kind of idea of six basic emotional needs. And it tends to be that if someone is really missing one of these needs, needs for connection and needs for belonging or security, they tend to scramble a bit to try to meet these needs in other perhaps unhealthy ways. I think that's one possible uh, source of, of, of affairs. I think that if the relationship itself is not really strong, if they haven't committed themselves personally to the, their marriage and a really something alluring or exciting comes up elsewhere, uh, it's really easy to say, well, you know, this isn't a big deal. It's essentially like a lack of personal commitment or personal conviction like I said, there there could be any number of things. I've seen it where um, a partner, where they felt really wronged. Uh, they felt like they were being ignored and, uh, you know, someone else was coming along and w- was listening to them. I've seen other others where, but it, it almost always has that kind of theme. I'm feeling wronged. I'm missing something in my life. And mm-hmm. here is someone that provides it easily. And that's, right. I think, a typical source. Right. Awesome. And so uh, you also have a podcast. Mm-hmm. 
What is the name of share with the listeners? The name of your podcast? We have the the Thriving Marriage podcast. It's a nice platform for me to just kind of share my thoughts on on marriage. So we always, almost always have uh, you know a, a really in depth discussion about some sort of problem um, that a lot of people might be struggling with, whether it's how to handle affairs or, you know, how to deal with resistance to change from your partner. A little, we, we tried to have it something very applicable. Uh, we usually run through, you know, I, I'll look through my Facebook group and also look at misconceptions about marriage or relationship. And we usually have a segment on there as well to address a lot of those myths or misconceptions, but, you know. Awesome. So if we want to get some advice there, we can go to High Thrive Coaching YouTube channel and check out that podcast. Yes. Where else can we connect with you? So I think our biggest area for connection would be our Facebook group. Uh, So the Facebook group is that anyone can join. It's called the, The Thriving Marriage. I do post my podcast there. We have uh, lots of good discussion on that site. We will occasionally have giveaways. We're good, like 40,000, I think, in that group. So doing pretty strong there. But yeah, The Thriving Marriage over on Facebook. You can go to High Thrive Coaching on, on YouTube. You can get, go to our website, www.highthrivecoaching.com. You can connect with us in any of those places. And I would imagine if anyone is listening and they just want to chat to see if maybe you guys can help them. You do some sort of free discovery call, something along those lines. Yeah. So we have team members that are just, their whole job is to do exactly that. And so you can go to our website, uh, highthrivecoaching.com slash apply. And we have, yeah, a free consultation call. Uh, So like you're asking about some types of marriages that aren't worth saving. So our, our team member goes through this and says, okay, are there certain criteria in here where we absolutely couldn't do anything? Is this going to be a good fit for you? Is there something that we can work on? Um, and it's a good way to just kind of explore whether this is for you. And if you don't even want to do that, like I said, hey, 83 episodes of, of a podcast, you can kind of get a feeling for how I run things, how, you know, my philosophy uh, on relationships. So just to see if it kind of matches what you would like. Yeah. Awesome. All right. One last question for you. Sure. <laughs> and it's a two part question. If you uh, only had seven more days left to live, what would you do? Oh, let's see. Well, you know, I, I think that I would really want to spend that each and every moment with my with my family. I, I love the beach. I'd probably do whatever I could to to take my family to the beach. We just spend our time around the water. Um, I really like to relax. And I, like I said earlier, I want that quality time. And I couldn't think of anyone better to spend that with than my wife, my kids. Awesome. Now, if I said you only had seven more days left to live, but you were in a debilitated state and you couldn't, you couldn't walk, uh, you couldn't feed yourself. You just had to lay basically in a hospital bed to die and you could not go to the beach. But we do still have your last bit of words. What is the last bit of advice that you want to give the world? <laughs> a really kind of dour, like, okay, I'm debilitated and I'm, I'm dying. Okay. <laughs> last bit of advice. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to like make it seem like families and marriages are everything, but I actually kind of feel that way. I think it would be really important for people to to know just to 
take a step back from, you know, some of the problems that they have in life and just really take some time to get to know their partner a little bit better, where they're coming from, what some of their concerns are, and just learn to be there with your partner and enjoy it. I, if I, if I felt, I feel like if more people could do that and had someone there in their life like that, um, you know, I think a lot of people would be much happier. Awesome. I, I do think that a lot of people, I'm sorry <laughs> to go no, on a little bit more. Going. No, I, I do think a lot of people, they get so caught up in other things that, you know, while important are ultimately less important, you know, their careers and their hobbies and, and whatnot. And I, you know, I'm, I'm in this business because I really believe that this is a really important thing. Um, saving families, saving marriages and Amazing. So if you need your marriage saved, or if you're just curious, if you can up-level your marriage, then go to highthrivecoaching.com, set up a call and talk with either Mark or someone on his team to see if it's a fit for you. Mark, thank you so much for being on the show today and unlocking happiness with us. Once again, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Amy Dix here. Thank you so much for listening to Unlocking Happiness. I hope you loved the show. And if you did, post a link to your social media, tag a friend, and hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Help spread more happiness in the world by leaving us a review. If you would like to learn more about what we do, visit choose-happy.me. And if you want to be a future guest, click on the podcast tab to learn more. If you know someone that would be a great guest, Tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Unlocking Happiness with Amy Dix. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and hit subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean the world to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, choose-happy.me or join our Facebook group called The Happiest Group on Facebook. Thanks for listening. This is Amy Dix and we will see you next time.